Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, sponsored by Palo Alto Networks, we discuss Palo Alto's Prisma SD-WAN, and specifically, we're going to drill into key differentiators of the Prisma SD-WAN platform, including its use of machine learning to support day two ops, the unique CloudBlades offering, and its app-defined approach to path selection and policy enforcement. Our guest today is Rohan Grover. He is Senior Director of Product Management. Rohan, welcome to the podcast. So first things first, Palo Alto is rebranding CloudGenX SD-WAN to Prisma SD-WAN, yes? Yes. Uh, happy to be here, firstly. And this is a iconic rebranding moment for us. It's been 10 months since the acquisition. Uh, and what a 10 months it's been, right? Due to COVID, we have seen kind of 10 years of IT acceleration in these 10 months, work from anywhere, hybrid cloud adoption. And then we believe that at Palo Alto, our brand name Prisma captures these transitions best. And that's why we decided to rename CloudGenX to Prisma SD-WAN. This also aligns really well with our Prisma Access cloud security solution, which together delivers the most seamless integration uh, and complete SASE solution in the industry. I think it's also a recognition that uh, SD-WAN is part of a security portfolio or a larger portfolio, because Prisma is not just SD-WAN, CloudGenix becomes Prisma SD-WAN, but SD-WAN is part of an overall bigger solution portfolio too. Absolutely. I think this is a recognition of the fact that networking and security are coming together as part of this whole SASE movement, and they are mm. all being delivered from the cloud. All right. So I mentioned at the top, we were going to talk about differentiators because there's a lot of SD-WAN options out there. So let's start with this idea of day two operations and machine learning. There's a lot of talk about machine learning, and sometimes it makes engineers' eyes roll when they hear it. So what does machine learning mean for network engineers who are running Prisma SD-WAN day-to-day? How's it going to help them? That's one of the key pillars of our solution, right? Simplifying operations and using an autonomous nature is one of the differentiators for us. So we're a session-based SD-WAN solution. Unlike legacy packet-based SD-WAN, we capture metadata from pretty much every application that's flowing through the appliance. We use that for traffic steering. And we also use that for interesting use cases like machine learning. One of the use cases that we introduced for machine learning in the last few months has been the ability for us to correlate kind of events and alarms that happen very regularly in a WAN network. Like you have all of these flashing lights going off in the knock, very hard for a network engineer to figure out what's going on. Uh, so because we have all of these data points, we can pinpoint the source of the issue, correlate all of these 20, 30, 100 alarms back to probably one or two causes, and then do auto remediation and try to fix those issues uh, and really solve the day end challenges or try to solve some of the day end challenges that network operators go through. So this is a troubleshooting use case then. You're saying because you can gather so much information, you can then analyze that information and say, if we're seeing a persistent problem on the WAN or a specific link, we've got some tools to help us dig into it, figure out what it actually is. Absolutely. And we can go back in time up to 90 days with the data that we collect. Uh, and we look at interesting things beyond just uh, you know layer three packet uh, instances. We look at you know, server response times. We look at things like TCP initiation failures to really figure out where the source of the problem is. Because I think in our world, time to innocence is really important. And we try to you know, get to the minimum time to innocence to figure out, is it a WAN issue? Is it an application issue? Is it a wireless problem? I think it's really interesting here, Drew. And you know, it's one of these things that we should always be discussing is that when SD-WAN first came out, like we've been talking to CloudGenix for years about SD-WAN, right? They've had all that pedigree and all that technology and we've had that whole SD-WAN story. It's really interesting that we've moved from the design part. This is going to solve your WAN routing problem, maximize your band, you know that. And then it was the zero touch and the automated deployment and the cloud part, which is the deployment part, which is day one. And now that part is working probably so well that we're actually willing to look at day two, troubleshooting, operations, 
ads moves and changes, telemetry data, taking the monitoring up to analytics and extracting telemetry information from it. It's a really interesting transition going on in the industry. Is that something that you agree with, Rohan? No, I absolutely do. I think day one is exactly that. It's one day. Uh, the real value of the solution is can you solve the operational challenges beyond that? And I, I think where we are heading in terms of our vision is an autonomous digital experience management capability. And we've already shipped this capability in our Prisma Access solution, soon to do that in Prisma SD-WAN. And now we're talking about monitoring kind of the end user experience and providing segment-wise insights across the entire application delivery path. And, and that's going to be a game changer in my mind. I really do think so, because the key part about SD-WAN was that initial solving my path problem. But the real value that people are extracting from SD-WAN right now is the telemetry visibility. You know, if you're running services over the public WAN and you feel to yourself, like if you've been using MPLS, that whole uncertainty goes away when I can see the performance of the application, see the performance of the system, right? Uh, absolutely. And I think this is something that's been missing in pretty much every other, what I call legacy SD-WAN solution. And we truly believe that these capabilities, along with some of our best of breed DevOps functions like APIs are what is uh, a key differentiator for us. The machine learning that you're talking about here with a supervised model, that actually, the supervised model actually means that this is not uh, the sort of stuff that we've seen in the press where machine learning goes off and does things wrong. The supervised model means that you've got humans in there curating the model results to make sure that it's accurate. Yes. So this is what we call kind of the trust but verify model. Uh, so I think we will get to a world where extremely smart machine learning models will automatically remediate everything possible. But for now, I think there's people are taking baby steps here, right? So we want to solve one use case at a time. We want to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and how comfortable IT will be in doing this sort of self-driving network, if you may. We are well on the path to getting to that point. And that's important because that supervision, well, there's a couple of things about that. One is the retraining. There's a, an iteration loop around building the machine learning, having people in the loop makes your machine learning better. Models don't, they'll get open-ended, as you say, in the future. But that supervised model means that from a customer's perspective, it works today because there's a human in there making sure it's right. You're not experimenting on customers as guinea pigs so much. No, we're not. But the whole area of AI operations, which is what this terminology is being called now, is extremely fascinating. And I think the industry has barely scratched the surface of this. As AI ops matures and you know, net ops, sec ops, dev ops all kind of converge into AI ops, I mm. think you see a lot of interesting use cases around supervised and potentially unsupervised machine learning. You've got a capability called CloudBlades, and this came into Palo Alto through the CloudGenix acquisition. Can you tell us first what CloudBlades are, and then we'll talk about how they tie into SD-WAN? Sure. So one of the key tenants for Prisma SD-WAN is our cloud-delivered branch concept. And the way that we imagine that is we've built a capability called CloudBlades. It's an API abstraction layer. And we use that API abstraction layer to build integrations with any third-party or first-party technology. This basically means that we can provide cloud services without any dependency on our controller. We have decoupled this capability from our core controller code. So I can build a integration with somebody like AWS in a matter of weeks, and I can keep upgrading that integration uh, without having any dependency on my firmware, on the SD-WAN appliance, or on my controller. And this makes us extremely flexible and suited to this kind of new DevOps model that's emerging. 
what I'm gathering then is I can get sort of like applications or services, almost like network functions virtualization, but it's not software running on the controller. It's outside of the controller. So if AWS makes a change, you can adjust to that change. But me, the customer, doesn't have to upgrade my controller software or upgrade my branch device software. Yeah, exactly. It's an independent piece of code, which can be upgraded completely separated from the controller. Because one of the bigger challenges customers have is when vendors come out with innovations, uh, they typically have to upgrade potentially hundreds of branches to take advantage of those innovations. With this CloudBlades API abstraction, that's not needed. You just upgrade this independent piece of code for that specific integration and you know, voila, customers can be up and running without causing any operational churn. Back when we first started talking to you about CloudBlades, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But in today's network architecture models, it conceptually sounds to me it's like a container. You've used the word cloud blades to say, I've got a network operating system in my SD-WAN devices where I can put containers in. And the cloud blade is that. I think it's a little bit more than as just as simple as a container. This is quite a sophisticated idea around it. Is that correct? Absolutely. And you've described it exactly the way it is. It's, these are actual containers running in the cloud. But there's clearly a longer term vision to build out let's call it an app store type model to make sure that independent third-party publishers can put out their own cloud blades that can provide additional value-added services to our customers. So can you give me an example of a kind of application or service that I could tie into with cloud blades? So we talked about AWS, uh, Transit Gateway. That's a very good example of a service. The other example that we love to talk about is ServiceNow. So having a ServiceNow cloud blade, which exists today, gives customers the ability to essentially create tickets based on these machine learning uh, you know, alarms and correlation and have that ticket sent directly to ServiceNow. Right? So that really simplifies the whole loop of IT and how issues can get tracked and fixed easily. Okay, so using the CloudBlades, I can kick off tickets or have tickets automatically instantiated to feed into my uh, remediation pipeline, essentially. Exactly. Okay. That's interesting. And what can you do with AWS? You mentioned transit gateways. Yeah, so AWS introduced a new concept called Transit Gateway Connect. It's a new way uh, to connect to workloads in the cloud from your branch. It essentially takes out some other dependency that was there previously around the throughput. Uh, and what we've done is we've created this cloud blade that can automatically set up those uh, tunnels to AWS, uh, set up the kind of transit gateway VPC, and then do all of the control plane BGP type configurations automatically. All of this stuff that would normally take a network ops person or a cloud ops person hours to do is done in a matter of minutes. And it also abstracts away the complexity of somebody knowing the specific constructs of AWS versus Azure versus GCP, all of which have similar models. Uh, and I think this really makes IT's life simple. And tomorrow, if AWS changes something about this construct, we can hide those changes and really, at the end of the day, provide the outcome that the customer is looking for, which is connect the branch to the workloads in the public cloud. And this is this uh, ongoing trend that we're seeing that customers want to be able to use their SD-WAN to connect the services that are hosted in AWS or whichever of the public cloud providers you want. But they also want to be able to connect their SD-WAN to the existing data center in a flexible and dynamic way. You don't want to have to loop it back to the data center and then send it up to the cloud, but you also want to use the part of the AWS connectivity that suits you. It's not always internet. Sometimes it's the direct connection. Sometimes it's transit gateways. Is that right? Yeah, and this is the whole hybrid cloud approach. We want to make sure that the cloud is treated from an SD-WAN perspective exactly the same way as you would treat a data center. 
which means I should be able to go from my branch to my public cloud without having to backhaul through my DC. Uh, hmm. Saves a lot of latency, gets you direct access to your workloads in the cloud, uh, and in general keeps the level of consistency between branch, data center, and public cloud. So one of the things we mentioned at the introduction is that um, you're pulling application data in to inform your path selection policy, that kind of thing. And I think every SD-WAN vendor does something like that. So how is Prisma SD-WAN differentiating here? You say you're getting more information out of your application identification? I think it goes well beyond that. Right? When we decided to build this, we took a top-down approach. We look at metrics that pretty much any other SD-WAN vendor does not. Traditional SD-WAN vendors look at lost latency jitter at a packet level. We really look at the whole approach from what does an application need. So our metrics consists of things like TCP initiations, uh, server response times, MOS cores for uh, video traffic. We take all of these elements that are typically layer seven elements, and then we come up with a traffic steering decision based on these application metrics combined with the traditional loss latency jitter. And this is not a feature. This is a fundamental building block of the architecture. Uh, you can't just add this capability on a solution that was built to do packet routing. So we're super proud of this capability and we are seeing this as a huge differentiator that's going to be hard for anybody to do in the near future. So what benefit does it get me as a customer, this differentiation at the application level? The biggest benefit is that at the end of the day, it's not about the lost latency jitter. What the end customer cares about, what the network ID team cares about is, is the experience for the user the best it can be? And because we are looking at application metrics, including you know, MOS scores, like we talked about, codecs, you're actually giving the right level of user experience and not basing that just on networking metrics. Networking metrics have never been a good approximation of the application experience. We've just used that as a proxy because we couldn't do anything else in the past. Now hmm. that we have all of this layer seven metadata, and since we use that to take traffic steering decisions, you're actually making a big difference in the end user experience. Okay, so end user experience. And then again, at the same time, you've also got additional data to feed your machine learning models, which should improve path selection and troubleshooting and so on. It becomes kind of a virtuous circle. Absolutely. We do so many things with that data. And this is all a kind of a direct benefit of the way that we chose to build out the architecture. Well, that does bring us to the end of our time for this Tech Bytes. Rohan, thanks for joining us. And thanks to Palo Alto Networks for being a sponsor. Rohan, if folks want to find out more, where would you send them? Uh, to learn about the true value of our next-gen SD-WAN solution, we have a Forrester Total Economic Impact Spotlight, and you can find that at go.paloaltonetworks.com slash PP. And that, of course, stands for Packet Pushers. So that's where you find more. All right, so that's go.paloaltonetworks.com slash PP. We'll also have that link on our website with the description that accompanies this podcast, along with other links. Thanks again, Rohan, for joining us, and thanks to Palo Alto Networks for being a sponsor. Last but definitely not least, thanks to you for listening. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts, along with our community blog at packetpushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.